Hello and welcome again to Money Tips Daily. This is Money Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save and make more money. Yesterday we talked about the baby boomers number one fear, which was not death, it wasn't uh, ill health or even loneliness and boredom. It was actually running out of money in retirement. Uh, This is for uh, baby boomers in America, where perhaps they don't have such a, uh, a safety net as we do in the UK. But uh, nevertheless, I'm sure that a lot of people in the UK also fear that that uh, uh, scenario of running out of money and being without money. And, and many old people hoard their money. In fact, um, you know, my dad was a bit like this. He hoarded money and, and, until he, the end, really, um, uh, because they you know, don't want to run out of money. And yet they're sort of going without now uh, in order to, say, pay for a funeral or, or look after uh, loved ones. But... Um, it, it's quite a sad scenario to, to go through your life and find that after you know 40, 45 years of working, you've got nothing left. And you know, it, many people have earned hundreds of thousands, if not millions, in their lifetime. And where does it all go? That's the question people ask. Where does it all go? Or I don't know where it all goes. Or you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Well, you know, the first thing is to know where it's going. Uh, know what you're spending and I've covered this in previous podcasts where I've said try and keep a spreadsheet for a month uh, of of what's coming in and what's going out so you look at your salary and any other income you've got coming in and then track what's going out uh, during the month and and you'd be surprised at the end of that another thing is to check your direct debits because you may be paying for things that you no longer want you may be paying for things that you'd forgotten all about you may be paying for things that you never thought you were paying for and uh, there was actually an article in the Sunday Times at the weekend which talked about people who had cancelled direct debits but found that they'd not been cancelled at all. They'd been suspended and somehow got going again. And, you know, they found months down the line they were still paying for things. It was only after they spotted it that, you know, eventually after a, a bit of interference from a journalist that the bank actually refunded the money. So I would, I would sort of check your direct debits on a regular basis either on your phone app or in online or just go into the branch and say look print off a, a list of my direct debits please and uh, then you, you know you can cancel those because that's where a lot of your money goes out now by standing orders direct debit direct debit is a slightly different thing from a standing order debit where a company is literally debiting your account so they have the authority to dip into your account for a, a specified amount sometimes unspecified and uh, you know these can be quite tricky especially where you've signed say annual direct debits and it happened to me uh, you know, I signed an annual direct debit forgot to cancel it the next year and suddenly the money's gone um, and this this can happen quite a lot however I still use direct debits to pay bills like uh, you know credit cards and utilities and other sorts of things because you don't want to fall behind with those through an error and and perhaps get uh, a bad credit rating through a late payment notice or, or worse still default against you which can take six years to clear so there is a place for direct debits but as long as you keep them under control so that, that's the first step to know where your money goes and obviously uh, you know in, in if you're going to work for 40 years and and then retire for a further 20 years you've got to know you've got to be putting something aside or making some sort of plan uh, I was looking at the average life expectancy in the UK, and in 2015 it was 81.6 years. So average people will live to over 80. 
Incidentally, in America, it's 78 years. It's actually less. And Japan is about the highest, I think, 83.84 years. And, you know, you've got many people now living to 100. So uh, it, it's, it's quite a, a significant thing. I mean, if you think, you know, you, you, if you retired at 60 and you live to 80, I mean, you, you're living in retirement half as many years as you, as you worked. So obviously, if you're, you know, just mathematically, if you're going to work 40 years and retire for 20 years, you know, so, it, you know, you've got to put away quite a bit of money in, in those 40 years uh, to, to be able to live for 20 years without working, you know, unless you just plan to work until you drop. And that's not so easy when you're, you're not in the best of health or, you know, you can't move around as much as you, you, you like. I mean, as you get older, you do slow down physically. You can't just do the things that you were doing when you're 20 and 30. So you've got to think about that and think about how much you need to put away. I mean, you need to talk to financial advisors. You need to sit down with an illustration. But the younger you start, the better. You know, for every five years you leave it, you're going to have to put in twice as much money to get the same result, roughly speaking. So someone putting in uh, X amount per month, say £100 a month, uh, 25 against someone who's putting in the same amount at uh, 30, then... At the retirement age, they will have twice as much money in the fund. This is due to sort of compounding growth and that extra growth in those last five years. So uh, you, you've got to think about this because, uh, you know, working for 40 years, you know, at whatever your salary is, um, you, you'll get used to that lifestyle and, and the amount you've got to put away to be able to survive further on for 20 more years is quite significant and you know, when when people are in company schemes like say a nurse or a civil servant you know they're, they're maybe putting in six seven percent of their salary themselves uh, as a deduction from salary but to make up what they need in retirement the employer is probably putting in another 15 percent depending on their ages so you know it takes quite a bit of money uh, to, to be able to retire comfortably and many people, of course, don't have it. When they're, they're young, they might be saving for a deposit on a house and then they might get married and they've got kids and they've got all those problems. Maybe one of them's not working. So I, I know it's, I've been through that, so I know it's not easy to save. But it, it's a lot easier if you get into the habit of putting something aside uh, when you're young and immediately so that you, you don't, um, uh, you know, start trying to save when you're 40 or something. You, you've got to start early putting say I don't know 10% 15% of your salary away I call this paying yourself first in our broadcast putting something uh, aside to uh, to make sure that you've you've, you've got something so that you, you don't end up spending every penny that you've got and end up with with nothing um, so that's that's the situation for for life expectancy and you've got to really think about this and Women, of course, live a little bit longer than men. Um, I think in, in the latest figures, women are now expected to live to 86. So uh, you women have got to have a bit more money to, to, to live on. Now, obviously, um, you know, a lot of people I spoke to when I was a financial advisor said, well, you know, if I I'll work and I'll, I'll spend my money and uh, then if I... Uh, 
run out of money, the state will look after me, the government will look after me, I've paid my taxes, why shouldn't they look after me? Yeah, you might have paid your taxes, but your taxes also covered things like, you know, keeping the country running, you know, the roads and the, the lighting and the, the defence and the police and the, the, the NHS and all the rest of it, you know. What, what you pay in tax in your life uh, barely covers what you, you consume. If you're a, a, a lower rate taxpayer or you're, you're not earning very much, it doesn't really cover everything. So, you know, if you, if you get to retirement and you've got nothing, then there's not this sort of magic fund waiting for you. Oh, here's your taxes back. You know, because if you think of somebody earning now, if, if, if you're earning a minimum wage you're hardly paying any tax at all if you're earning the, the minimum wage you know seven eight pounds an hour you know if you work it out and you look at your uh, uh, your, your pay slip you're paying very little tax because the first eleven thousand is tax-free and then you know you're paying a minimum amount of tax on the rest so yeah and if, if you're paying a couple of thousand a year tax you're, you're lucky well you know it costs more than that to just educate one child at school that's let alone running the government, running the country, paying for all the services, the health and schools and colleges and all, the, all these things that, that add up. Um, a country doesn't run on its own. And if you go to a third world country where they don't pay any tax, you can see the difference between the, the life they have and the services they enjoy compared to here. So uh, don't think that you know what you pay in taxes is, is going to support you. At the moment, people who are paying taxes are actually paying for the pensioners who, who are retired now. So I think I covered this yesterday as well. There is no magic fund, there's no savings fund that the government have put all this money aside that they've been taking in tax and national insurance. So right, that's put aside, that's all there, ready for the pensioners. No, the pensioners are now drawing from us. There's no, there's no fund. And I think the situation is, is very much the same in the States. Um, and you know, when they when they started these uh, state pension schemes, they expected to people to, to, to not live beyond their sort of 60s, and now we're living to the 80s uh, at least. And you know, if, if you if you look back at if you, if you just Google the, the charts on this, um, you, you can see that over the how how it's changed over the years. Back in 1960, uh, the average age uh, life expectancy was was 70. You know, even in, in the 90s, the early 90s, it was 75. So it's, it's gone up quite dramatically um, in, in the last few years. And obviously modern medicine is keeping people alive uh, and all sorts of things. So uh, just don't rely on the state. Because if, if all these people are living longer and, and longer into retirement and there's less money in the kitty, so to speak, you know, I think you know, if you're 40, 30 now... By the time you get to retirement, I'm not sure what's going to be left there for you to, to rely on from the state. So you've got to really row your own boat and make your own provision. So pensions is one way of doing it. There are advantages in pensions. You need to talk to a, a financial advisor. But pension scheme is, is basically a, a, a savings scheme that um, you, you contribute to, to during your life. You get a bit of tax relief on the money you put in. There are other tax benefits. And when you retire, that build up to a fund and that fund buys you a pension so the pension means an income for life that's what a pension is it's a you're buying a pension with, with this money that you save up during your working life and uh, 
app. Hopefully, if you save enough money, you'll have enough from this pension that you buy uh, to live on. But many people now are finding that they haven't got enough because the rates that you get from this fund that you've got at the end that buys you the pension have fallen because interest rates are much lower now, uh, which helps uh, people with mortgages, but it doesn't help savers. So interest rates are low, life expectancies are high. So the, the pension company is not going to give you as much as they would have done 10, 15, 20 years ago. So you now need a bigger fund uh, to, 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 to put together to be able to retire. Now, if you're a civil servant, teacher, nurse, and you stay with your employer for 40 years, you're fine because you're going to get roughly half of your final salary as a pension. And that might not sound like much, but you know a lot of people are going to be ending up with a lot less than that if they're, say, self-employed or working for small companies that don't provide a pension or one of these uh, agency workers um, working in the gig economy, you know, zero-hour contracts, they are really going to be struggling. And I, as I said yesterday, there's going to be millions of people who will either be unable to, unable to afford to retire or just have to keep working or will literally be dependent on the state and the state is an ever-diminishing amount of uh, help there because... Uh, you know, there's just too many people on the state and there isn't as much money around as there used to be. We've had the financial crisis and they're still paying off debt. So the, the country is in debt and is living off a, a massive credit card, if you like, to put it bluntly. So, you know, you cannot rely on the state. Now, another way of providing for retirement is to build a business. You know, to say, well, I'll build my business and that business, when it's sold, will be my retirement. That's fine if it works for you. Um, you know, I, I've had this experience where, you know, things can go up and down. You know, the business can be very high one minute, the next minute it's not worth as much as you thought. And, and that can happen. We see businesses uh, go under all the time. So you, you can't always rely just on that. So you've got to do a combination. If you've got a business, have a business, build that business, but put something aside for yourself into, into a pension scheme. Uh, if, if this is what you feel is right. The other way people are providing for their retirement is through buying properties. Buy to let uh, property market has boomed and people see that as a, a good way of uh, building up something for retirement. So the, the scenario would be that you would buy a property uh, with a mortgage and you, you can either pay that mortgage off during the, 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 the 20, 25 years that you've borrowed and have that property owned outright at, at retirement and that's called a repayment mortgage some people do uh, don't worry about that they just go for an interest only mortgage and they pay it off at the end either uh, in cash because the, the the amount of mortgage will seem quite small in 20 25 years time compared to now or they have a number of properties on interest only and they sell off one or two to pay off the other mortgages and end up with a property, one or two properties owned outright, that then gives them an income. Uh, some of the advantages of doing it this way is that you can you can get leverage, you can get bank finance to buy the properties in the first place, but you can't get bank finance to invest into a pension scheme. You know, the bank's not going to lend you money to, to put into a fund because they say, well, that's 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 too risky. We can't lend money on that sort of fund. It might go up or down. You know, we, we having said that, they will sell you the fund to. 
to, to invest for your pension, you can take the risk, but they would not take the risk and lend you the money to put, say, a lump sum into your pension fund. But they will lend you money to buy a property. In the past, you could borrow up to 85%. Now it's more like 75, perhaps 80 in some cases. Um, but it, it, you're roughly going to need a 25% deposit. Now, many homeowners could raise that from their own property. They could uh, take a further advance, a remortgage, and uh, pull that out of their residential property and buy an investment property. So leverage is, is a massive advantage in, in property purchases, and uh, that's, that's enabled people to, to buy a lot more investment properties than they would have otherwise been if they just have to save up the cash. Um, some of the disadvantages and downside of property is that, yeah, it, it is a bit more risky. Um, you know, property prices can fall, but in the long run, they, they have consistently gone up, um, you know, o- over a longer period, you know, for going back hundreds of years, if you like. So uh, I still think it's a good investment, but, um, you know, it, it's still a risk. You know, there is a risk there. There are other risks associated with property in that, you know, you've got to make sure you're buying the right type of property in the right sort of area. You've got risks with tenants. Um, you've got, you know, to deal with that. You've got risks of, um, you know, repairs to carry out. So it's not a it's not a passive investment where you're just, you know, putting a bit of money aside into a pension fund by direct debit. You're, you, you've got to run the property as if it was a business almost. Even if you've got property managers looking after it for you, your, your mind is, is, is never off the property. You, you, you know, at any one time you get a phone call, you get a text on the weekend. I had one a couple of weeks ago and this property is supposed to be fully managed. It, it's almost like a rent to rent. This guy looks after it and uh, it just sends me the money. But on a weekend I got a call, he's away, there's a roof leak over Easter in fact. Um, what can I do? Well, it's Easter Saturday. You know, how are you going to get a roofer out on a Saturday? So even where the properties are managed, you know, it, there's, there's always that nagging worry that, you know, uh, and, and, and that, that uh, concern about the property and what's happening and, and that sort of thing in tenants. But if you're prepared to put up with that, property is a good investment. So it's not a passive investment, but you can get leverage to buy property. And the model of... Um, you know, buying more than one property and then selling one off and paying off the mortgage has worked for many people. And then obviously what you end up with is a property that gives you an income from that property and, and hopefully you will get growth on the property as well. Now the income can be based on the value of a property. You could get a yield, which means uh, the, the amount you get as compared to the value of the property. So if your property was worth 100000 and you got 5,000 income, that would be a 5% yield per annum. So, and, and you can get yields on properties, depending on where they are, of anything between 4 and 10%. And depending on what type of property, if they're HMO, for instance, and have some house and multiple occupation, you can get higher returns than you can on a single let, but it takes more work. So compared to, say, having your money in a bank, it, it's quite a good yield and you've got the added advantage that the property is hopefully growing in value. And, and I say hopefully because I've got to, you know, cover my back here. But in, in most areas of the country, they have grown in value over time. And in some parts, they've grown you know, exponentially over the, next, over the last 30, 40 years and sort of outstripped incomes uh, to, to the stage where people can hardly afford to buy a property now. 
um, which was much easier when I was younger. So uh, that's one way. Another way that people are uh, saving for their retirement. Um, other people are investing in the markets. They're learning about investments and how to do it. Other people are building little businesses on the side, perhaps trading online. So I think a lot more people now seem to be uh, taking matters into their own hands. I think a large percentage of the population kind of lost confidence in the, the pensions industry, but I wouldn't write it off completely. So there, there are various options you can try to save for retirement. Um, I, I personally prefer property. And if you want to learn more about property, if you're a, if you're a newbie to property, a complete beginner, I do have some tickets for a beginner's course in property. It's like a one-day taster course, and uh, it will be held in London. And if you're interested, please email me at charles at charleskelly.net, and I'll, I'll give you some uh, tickets for that. And uh, you know, if, I, I wouldn't just jump into property without learning about it. Make sure you get the education before you. Uh, start investing, which could be a costly mistake if you buy the wrong properties in the wrong areas, and you know that, that's all you don't get them let out. That's another worry of properties being empty. So uh, try and get the education first, whether you do it through you know this recommendation or you go elsewhere or just buy a book, uh, but don't just jump into it straight away. So that's all for now. Um, I think that's we've sort of covered everything we can on on retirement planning now. But do take financial advice, do see an independent financial advisor, and I wish you luck with that, and uh, happy saving. Hello and welcome again to Money Tips Daily. This is Money Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save and make more money. Yesterday we talked about the baby boomers' number one fear, which was not death, it wasn't... uh, ill health or even loneliness and boredom, it was actually running out of money in retirement. Uh, This is for uh, baby boomers in America, where perhaps they don't have such a a safety net as we do in the UK. But uh, nevertheless, I'm sure that a lot of people in the UK also fear that that, uh, uh, scenario of running out of money and being without money, and and many old people hoard their money. In fact, um, you know, my dad was a bit like this, he hoarded money and, and until the, the end, really, um, uh, because they you know, don't want to run out of money, and yet they're sort of going without now uh, in order to, say, pay for a funeral or, or look after uh, loved ones. But um, it, it's quite a sad scenario to, to go through your life and find that after, you know, 40, 45 years of working, you've got nothing left. And, you know, it. many people have earned hundreds of thousands, if not millions, in their lifetime. And where does it all go? That's the question people ask. Where does it all go? Or I don't know where it all goes. Or, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Well, you know, the first thing is to know where it's going. Uh, know what you're spending. And I've covered this in previous podcasts where I've said, try and keep a spreadsheet for a month uh, of, of what's coming in and what's going out. So you look at your salary and any other income you've got coming in and then track what's going out uh, during the month, and, and you'd be surprised at the end of that. Another thing is to check your direct debits because you may be paying for things that you no longer want. You may be paying for things that you'd forgotten all about. You may be paying for things that you never thought you were paying for. And uh, there was actually an article in the Sunday Times at the weekend which talked about people 
who had cancelled direct debits but found that they'd not been cancelled at all. They'd been suspended and somehow got going again. And, you know, they found months down the line they were still paying for things. It was only after they spotted it that, you know, eventually after a, a bit of interference from a journalist that the bank actually refunded the money. So I would I would sort of check your direct debits on a regular basis, either on your phone app or on, online, or just go into the branch and say, look, print off a, a list of my direct debits, please. And uh, then, you, you know, you can cancel those because that's where a lot of your money goes out now, by standard orders. Direct debit. Direct debit is a slightly different thing from a standing order. Debit where a company is literally debiting your account. So they have the authority to dip into your account for a, a specified amount, sometimes unspecified. And, uh, you know, these can be quite tricky, especially where you've signed, say, annual direct debits. And it's happened to me. Uh, you know, I signed an annual direct debit, forgot to cancel it the next year, and suddenly the money's gone. Uh, and this this can happen quite a lot. However, I still use direct debits to pay bills like, uh, you know, credit cards and utilities and other sorts of things because you don't want to fall behind with those through an error and, and perhaps get uh, a bad credit rating through a late payment notice or, or worse still, default against you, which can take six years to clear. So there is a place for direct debits, but as long as you keep them under control. So that, that's the first step is know where your money goes. And obviously... Uh, you know, in, in if you're going to work for 40 years and and then retire for a further 20 years, you've got to know, you've got to be putting something aside or making some sort of plan. Uh, I was looking at the average life expectancy in the UK and in 2015 it was 81.6 years. So average people will live to over 80. Incidentally, in America it's 78 years, it's actually less, and Japan is about the highest, I think, 83 0.84 years and you know you've got many people now living to 100 so uh, it, it's it's quite a, a significant thing I mean if you think you know you, you if you retired at 60 and you live to 80 I mean you, you're living in retirement half as many years as you as you worked so obviously if you're you know just mathematically if you're going to work 40 years and retire for 20 years you know so you know, you've got to put away quite a bit of money in in those 40 years uh, to, to be able to live for 20 years without working, you know, unless you just plan to work until you drop. And that's not so easy when you're, you're not in the best of health or you, know, you can't move around as much as you, you, you like. I mean, as you get older, you do slow down physically. You can't just do the things that you were doing when you're 20 and 30. So you've got to think about that. And I think about how much you need to put away. I mean, you need to talk to financial advisors. You need to sit down with an illustration. But the younger you start, the better. You know, for every five years you leave it, you're going to have to put in twice as much money to get the same result, roughly speaking. So someone putting in uh, X amount per month, say £100 a month uh, at 25, against someone who's putting in the same amount at uh, 30, then... At the retirement age, they will have twice as much money in the fund. This is due to sort of compounding growth and that extra growth in those last five years. So uh, you, you've got to think about this because, uh, you know, working for 40 years, you know, at whatever your salary is, um, you, you'll get used to that lifestyle. And, and the amount you've got to put away to be able to survive further on for 20 more years is quite significant and 
Now, when when people are in company schemes, like say a nurse or a civil servant, you know they're they're maybe putting in six seven percent of their salary themselves uh, as a deduction from salary. But to make up what they need in retirement, the employer is probably putting in another fifteen percent, depending on their ages. So you know it takes quite a bit of money uh, to to be able to retire comfortably, and many people of course don't have it when they're they're young, they might be saving for a deposit on a house and then they might get married and they've got kids and they've got all those problems. Maybe one of them's not working. So I, I know it's like I've been through that, so I know it's not easy to save. But it, it's a lot easier if you get into the habit of putting something aside uh, when you're young and immediately so that you, you don't um, uh, you know, start trying to save when you're 40 or something. You, you've got to start early put in, say, I don't know, 10%, 15% of your salary away. I call this paying yourself first in another broadcast. Putting something uh, aside to uh, to make sure that you've, you've, you've got something so that you, you don't end up spending every penny that you've got and end up with, with nothing. Um, so that's that's the situation for, for life expectancy. And you've got to really think about this. And women, of course, live a little bit longer than men. Um, I think in, in the latest figures, women are now expected to live to 86. So uh, you women have got to have a bit more money to, to, to live on. Now, obviously, um, you know, a lot of people I spoke to when I was a financial advisor said, well, you know, if I I'll work and I'll, I'll spend my money and uh, then if I... Uh, run out of money, the state will look after me, the government will look after me, I've paid my taxes, why shouldn't they look after me? Yeah, you might have paid your taxes, but your taxes also covered things like, you know, keeping the country running, you know, the roads and the, the lighting and the uh, defence and the police and the, the, the NHS and all the rest of it, you know. What what you pay in tax in your life uh, barely covers what you, you consume if you're a, a, a lower rate taxpayer or you're you're not earning very much. It doesn't really cover everything. So, you know, if you, if you get to retirement and you've got nothing, then there's not this sort of magic fund waiting for you. Oh, here's your taxes back. You know, because if you think of somebody earning now, if, if, if you're earning a, a minimum wage, you're hardly paying any tax at all. If you're earning the, the minimum wage, you know, seven, eight pound an hour, you know, if you work it out and you look at your, uh, uh, your, your pay slip, you're paying very little tax because the first 11,000 is tax free and then you know you're paying a minimum amount of tax on the rest so yeah and if if you're paying a couple of thousand a year tax you're you're lucky well you know it costs more than that to just educate one child at school that's let alone running the government running the country paying for all, all the, the services the, the health and uh, schools and colleges and all the all these things that that add up um, a country doesn't run on its own. And if you go to a third world country where they don't pay any tax, you can see the difference between the, the life they have and the services they enjoy compared to here. So uh, don't think that you know what you pay in taxes is, is going to support you. At the moment, the people who are paying taxes are actually paying for the pensioners who, who are, are retired now. So I, I think I covered this yesterday as well. There is no magic fund. There's no savings fund that the government have put all this money aside that they've been taking in tax and national insurance say right that's put aside that's all there ready for the pensioners no 
the pensioners are now drawing from us. There's no there's no fund. And I think the situation is, is very much the same in the States. Um, and, you know, when they when they started these uh, state pension schemes, they expected to people to, to, to not live beyond their sort of 60s. And now we're living to the 80s uh, at least. And, you know, if, if you if you look back at if you, if you just Google the, the charts on this, um, you can see that over the how, how it's changed over the years back in 1960 uh, the average age uh, life expectancy was was 70 you know even in in the 90s the early 90s it was 75 so it's, it's gone up quite dramatically um, in, in the last few years and obviously modern medicine is keeping people alive uh, and all sorts of things so uh, just don't rely on the state because if, if all these people are living longer and, and longer into retirement and there's less money in the kitty so to speak you know I, I think you know if you're 40 30 now by the time you get to retirement I, I'm not sure what's going to be left there for you to, to rely on from the state so you've got to really row your own boat and make your own provision so pensions is one way of doing it there are advantages in pensions you need to talk to a, a financial advisor but Pension scheme is, is basically a, a savings scheme that um, you, you, you contribute to, to during your life. You get a bit of tax relief on the money you put in. There are other tax benefits. And when you retire, that builds up to a fund and that fund buys you a pension. So the pension means an income for life. That's what a pension is. It's a, you're buying a pension with, with this money that you save up during your working life. And... Uh, Hopefully, if you save enough money, you'll have enough from this pension that you buy uh, to live on. But many people now are finding that they haven't got enough because the rates that you get from this fund that you've got at the end that buys you the pension have fallen because interest rates are much lower now, uh, which helps uh, people with mortgages, but it doesn't help savers. So interest rates are low, life expectancies are high. So the, the pension company is not going to give you as much as they would have done 10, 15, 20 years ago. So you now need a bigger fund uh, to, to, to put together to be able to retire. Now, if you're a civil servant, teacher, nurse, and you stay with your employer for 40 years, you're fine because you're going to get roughly half of your final salary as a pension. And that might not sound like much, but you know a lot of people are going to be ending up with a lot less than that if they're, say, self-employed or working for small companies that doesn't provide a pension or one of these uh, agency workers um, or working in the gig economy, you know, zero-hour contracts, they are really going to be struggling. And I, I, as I said yesterday, there's going to be millions of people who will either be unable to, unable to afford to retire or just have to keep working or will literally be dependent on the state and the state is an ever-diminishing amount of uh, uh, help there because... Uh, you know, there's just too many people on the state and there isn't as much money around as there used to be. We've had the financial crisis and they're still paying off debt. So the, the country is in debt and is living off a, a massive credit card, if you like, to put it bluntly. So, you know, you cannot rely on the state. Now, another way of providing for retirement is to build a business. You know, to say, well, I'll build my business and that business, when it's sold, will be my retirement. That's fine if it works for you. Um, you know, I, I've had this experience where, 
you know, things can go up and down. You know, the business can be very high one minute, next minute it's not worth as much as you thought. And, and that can happen. We see businesses uh, go under all the time. So you, you can't always rely just on that. So you've got to do a combination. If you've got a business, have a business, build that business, but put something aside for yourself into, into a pension scheme. Uh, if, if this is what you feel is right. The other way people are providing for their retirement is through buying properties. Buy to let uh, property market has boomed and people see that as a, a good way of uh, building up something for retirement. So the, the, the scenario would be that you would buy a property uh, with a mortgage and you, you can either pay that mortgage off during the, 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 the 20, 25 years that you've borrowed and have that property owned outright at, at retirement, and that's called a repayment mortgage. Some people do, uh, don't worry about that, they just go for an interest-only mortgage, and they pay it off at the end, either uh, in cash, because the, the, the amount of mortgage will seem quite small in 20, 25 years' time compared to now, or they have a number of properties on interest-only, and they sell off one or two to pay off the other mortgages, and end up with a property, one or two properties owned outright that then gives them an income. Uh, some of the advantages of doing it this way is that you can you can get leverage, you can get bank finance to buy the properties in the first place, but you can't get bank finance to invest into a pension scheme. You know, the bank's not going to lend you money to, to put into a fund because they say, well, that's 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 too risky. We can't lend money on that sort of fund. Uh, it might go up or down. You know, we, we Having said that, they will sell you the fund to... Uh, to, to invest for your pension, you can take the risk, but they would not take the risk and lend you the money to put, say, a lump sum into your pension fund. But they will lend you money to buy a property. In the past, you could borrow up to 85%. Now it's more like 75 perhaps 80 in some cases. Um, but it, it, you're roughly going to need a 25% deposit. Now, many homeowners could raise that from their own property. They could uh, take a further advance or remortgage and... Uh, pull that out of their residential property and buy an investment property. So leverage is, is a massive advantage in, in property purchases and uh, that's, that's it enabled people to, to buy a lot more investment properties than they would have otherwise been if they just have to save up the cash. Um, some of the disadvantages and downside of property is that, yeah, it, it is a bit more risky. Um, you know, property prices can fall, but in the long run, they, they have consistently gone up um, you know o over a longer period you know for going back hundreds of years if you like so uh, I still think it's a good investment but um, you know it it's still a risk you know there is a risk there there are other risks associated with property in that you know you've got to make sure you're buying the right type of property in the right sort of area you've got risks with tenants um, you've got you know to deal with that you've got risks of um, you know repairs to carry out so it's not a it's not a passive investment where you're just you know putting a bit of money aside into a pension fund by direct debit you're you, you've got to run the properties if it was a business almost even if you've got property managers looking after it for you your your mind is 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 never off the property you, you you know at any one time you get a phone call you get a text on the weekend i had one a couple of weeks ago and this property is supposed to be fully managed it, it's almost like a rent to rent this guy looks after it and uh, it just sends me the money. But on a weekend, I got a call. He's away. There's a roof leak over Easter, in fact. Um, 
what can I do? Well, it's Easter Saturday. You know, how are you going to get a roofer out on a Saturday? So even where the properties are managed, you know, it, there's, there's always that nagging worry that, you know, uh, and, and, and that, that uh, concern about the property and what's happening and, and that sort of thing and tenants. But if you're prepared to put up with that, property is a good investment. So it's not a passive investment, but you can get leverage to buy property. And the model of, um, you know, buying more than one property and then selling one off and paying off the mortgage has worked for many people. And then obviously what you end up with is a property that gives you an income from that property and, and hopefully you will get growth on the property as well. Now the income can be based on the value of a property. You could get a yield, which means uh, the, the amount you get as compared to the value of the property. So if your property was worth 100,000 and you got 5,000 income, that would be a 5% yield per annum. So and and you can get yields on properties depending on where they are of anything between four and ten percent and depending on what type of property if they're hmo for instance they have some housing multiple occupation you can get higher returns than you can on a single let but it takes more work so compared to say having your money in a bank it, it's quite a good yield and you've got the added advantage that the property is hopefully growing in value and, and i say hopefully because i've got to you know cover my back here but in, in most areas of the country, they have grown in value over time, and in some parts, they've grown you know, exponentially over the, ne over the last 30, 40 years and sort of outstripped incomes uh, to, to the stage where people can hardly afford to buy a property now, um, which was much easier when I was younger. So uh, that's one way. Another way that people are uh, saving for their retirement. Um, other people are investing in the markets. They're learning about investments and how to do it. Other people are building little businesses on the side, perhaps trading online. So I think a lot more people now seem to be uh, taking matters into their own hands. I think a, a large percentage of the population kind of lost confidence in the, the pensions industry, but I wouldn't write it off completely. So there, there are various options you can try to save for retirement. Um, I, I personally prefer property, and if you want to learn more about property, if you're a, if you're a newbie to property, you're a complete beginner, I do have some tickets for a beginner's course in property. It's like a one-day taster course, and uh, it will be held in London. And if you're interested, please email me at charles at charleskelly.net, and I'll, I'll give you some uh, tickets for that. And, uh, you know, if, I, I wouldn't just jump into property without learning about it make sure you get the education before you uh, start investing which could be a costly mistake if you buy the wrong properties in the wrong areas and you know that's all you don't get them let out that's another worry of properties been empty so uh, try and get the, the education first whether you do it through you know this recommendation or you go elsewhere or just buy a book uh, but don't just jump into it straight away so that's all for now um, I think that's we've sort of covered everything we can on, on retirement planning now. But do take financial advice. Do see a, an independent financial advisor. And I wish you luck with that. And uh, happy saving.